I'm Roger Baker, Executive Director of the Stratfor Center for Applied Geopolitics at RAIN, a global center of excellence for geopolitical intelligence and analysis. Learn how you can put geopolitics to work for your organization at RAINNetwork.com. Welcome to RAIN's Essential Geopolitics Podcast. My name is Emma Kami, and I'll be your host today. Lately, Beijing has conducted police raids on a number of U.S. firms as part of its campaign to make the corporate due diligence sector healthy. More than a few analysts have highlighted the contradiction between Beijing's repeated pledges of support for foreign businesses and these latest raids, and the head of the American Chamber of Commerce in China has asserted that the business community in China is spooked, and our members are asking, who's next? Here with me today is Chase Blazik, an Asia-Pacific analyst at Rain. Welcome, Chase. Thanks, Emma. Good to be here. Can you give us a brief summary of Beijing's latest raids to set the table for uh, our conversation? Yeah, sure thing. Uh, and, and part of this is definitely trying to connect the dots. Um, it's still at a very early stage in what seems to be a, a relatively new campaign, uh, but we're doing our best here. Uh, so uh, as you mentioned, uh, this is part of a campaign by Beijing that state media has has already admitted to and said they're doing uh, to, like you said, make the corporate due diligence sector healthy, you know, quote unquote. Uh, in Beijing, usually when they say they're making a sector healthy, that means making it align with, you know, one or more of Beijing's policies more clearly, usually through uh, the stick and not necessarily the carrot. Um, so yeah, this has targeted uh, a number of firms so far. The ones that have really hit the news big are uh, Mince Group, of course, where local employees, local Chinese employees were detained and the branch was closed. Uh, Bain & Company, where employees were questioned and their phones and computers were taken by the police, uh, the local Chinese police. And uh, Capvision Partners, um, which is a international firm. It's got headquarters in New York uh, and Shanghai. Um, but there was uh, an entire CCTV segment, so that's one of China's biggest, if not the biggest, uh, news stations, uh, state-affiliated, of course, um, and they, they ran a long segment saying how a recent counterintelligence and espionage uh, investigation into Capvision was part of this campaign to make the corporate due diligence sector uh, healthier and trying to deal with uh, companies like Capvision, which they said are not doing their part to keep China's state secrets uh, just that secret. Um, there are also a couple of other examples, too. We saw uh, Micron, uh, the U.S. memory chip maker. Uh, they're under uh, a Chinese cybersecurity review of late. Um, this is the same thing China leveled against its own uh, ride-hailing company, Didi. And these cybersecurity reviews uh, can take a long time. For Didi, it was about a year. Uh, and this is basically uh, the sort of Damocles uh, hanging over Micron's head where the authorities will be able to go into to the business and inspect their processes very closely. And then you have um, Deloitte, uh, the auditing firm, uh, and they were banned from practicing uh, in, in Beijing for three months and given a record fine, uh, more than all fines on auditing firms uh, by China in the previous year combined. Um, because of their part in what Beijing said was improperly auditing uh, a major Chinese firm that, that went under and had severe debt troubles. So all of this, uh, these are the, the events we're looking at here, and what we're trying to do today is sort of draw connections between them. Given the contradiction in Beijing's words and actions toward the business community, the question, why is this happening, is front of mind. Um, can you give us some insight into that? 
Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll try and hop over the context as, as, as shallow as possible or as is necessary here. Um, Beijing has been on a number of campaigns over the last couple of years, uh, a data sovereignty campaign, which is using a number of laws, the cybersecurity law, the data security law, the personal information protection law, and as of late, uh, just the, the last month or so, the counter espionage law. This is all part of Beijing's sort of belated effort to get a handle on China's data, um, because Beijing believes that if data is the new oil, well, most energy companies in China are state-owned, so data should very much be state-managed as well. So it's sort of a belated catching up on that, uh, on, on managing data, data flows more closely, including those coming out of private businesses. We've also seen China closing uh, off a number of uh, data access points to the outside world, like the CNKI Academic Database, uh, the WIND Economic and Financial Database, which is used by much, uh, many foreign companies to, to understand what's going on inside China, and then recent warnings by Beijing as well to state-owned enterprises to minimize their exposure to the big four auditing firms. So there's this sense that Beijing is very much skeptical of, of connections to these foreign firms and the data flows they may be uh, having, where you know, data that Beijing sees as somewhat sensitive, like economic or financial or corporate data, is uh, flowing outward, and Beijing wants to have a bit of a tighter grip on that. And then, of course, there's the, the U.S. restrictions that have been coming out over the last year. Uh, top among them is the, the chips restrictions that came out last October, but then also uh, U.S. restrictions under the we Uyghur Forced Labor Prevention Act, stopping goods from coming from Xinjiang, and what a lot of these companies, like, like Capvision, uh, Bain & Co., and Mintz, were doing was helping foreign firms to, to get extra information about their policy risks in China with these U.S. laws, or recent U.S. Uh, trade restrictions, in mind. And so Beijing, this, this is sort of the context here. They're, try, they're trying to sort of stop the ability of these companies to give that data to the outside world because they're seeing it as hurting China's economy. Um, and of course, if, if Beijing can send this message to these corporate due diligence companies uh, that this, this business you're in is not without risk, and if your intent on facilitating foreign restrictions, even if you're just doing your job, but facilitating foreign trade restrictions on China, there will be consequences uh, for that action. Uh, and then the, the, the idea there, or what I believe the idea there, is Beijing would like to send this message to companies from, from other countries like those in Western Europe to say, hey, you don't have to follow the path of the U.S. See what's happening to U.S. companies? Well, that doesn't have to be you if you're willing to take a more reasonable, in Beijing's eyes, uh, tack toward trade restrictions and interacting with the Chinese economy. Right. So... What is then the trajectory of this particular campaign against foreign films, firms? Sorry, And what are some of the next steps that Beijing could take? That films would be a great next podcast. We'll, we'll keep that in mind. Um, but the, the, the firms, uh, the trajectory so far, and this latest trend really hasn't changed that a ton, is targeting these firms that frankly don't matter too much to the Chinese economy. These corporate due diligence firms that help foreign companies understand the market, of course that helps them to to be more comfortable and confident to get into the Chinese market. So indirectly, it does help Beijing's economy, um, but it, it doesn't directly make Beijing much money for these, these, these corporate due diligence firms to be doing what they do on a daily basis. Uh, and, and similarly, with firms like Micron, uh, although this, this is something that Beijing very much wants, high-end chips, there are other makers of, of memory chips uh, in the world that China could go to. 
And so Micron is not necessarily seen as this irreplaceable uh, entity and thus Beijing is more comfortable putting these restrictions or these, uh, I don't know, coercive tools, if you would like to call them, against these companies. And that trend seems likely to continue. Beijing retaliating against companies that aren't going to hurt the Chinese economy quite so much. Um, but then zooming out more broadly and tying back into those data sovereignty and, and economic freedom of, of movement uh, themes I mentioned earlier, Beijing wants to guarantee that China still has room to grow. Uh, Beijing has room to manage data as it sees fit. Uh, and it, Beijing is willing to take the sort of hit to the business environment that you're seeing right now with that AmCham uh, head making that quote about, you know, businesses being or asking who's next. Beijing seems to be willing to take that hit uh, as an acceptable casualty in the sh short term in order to guarantee that, that China has uh, the reins on data. In the long term, there's the big question of, of will China uh, more, more thoroughly or more uh, readily engage with other retaliatory tools like the anti-foreign sanctions law, the unreliable entity list, and other Chinese legal measures that allow Beijing to formally you know, levy fines, visa bans, bans from doing business in China against companies uh, to anyone that Beijing believes is hurting China's interests. That's a bit more of an open question. Beijing has not really been willing to, to breach that barrier, to, to go into that territory, where it is very much legal tools being used against Western companies, and that will, will certainly put a chill on the investment environment. So we'll see for now. Um, but, but what we do know um, pretty clearly from the last few months is that the tempo of China's retaliations against Western companies, and primarily US companies, will follow the tempo of US uh, and more broadly Western restrictions uh, on China, just like the enforcement of the Uyghur Forced Labor Prevention Act uh, and these chips restrictions we've been seeing over the last few months. Well, definitely something to keep watching. Thanks for that analysis, Chase. Yeah, sure thing. You can learn how geopolitical events like this could affect your business with Rain Worldview. Our flagship risk intelligence products provide clients with access to the insights and analyses they need to make more informed decisions and drive better risk management outcomes. Sign up at rainnetwork.com. That's R-A-N-E network.com. I'm Emma Kami. Thanks for listening.